Hello, everybody. I'm Harrison. And I'm Rachel. This week, we're talking about weeks 25 through 28 of pregnancy and our experience with the glucose or gestational diabetes test. So stay tuned and join us on our journey to Meet Meet Baby Baby H. H. We are officially in the third trimester. The second trimester definitely lived up to its reputation of being really enjoyable. Now that we're in the third trimester, we are starting to settle down at home and really make sure that we are prepared for the baby. It's kind of terrifying to think that the baby could come any day now. Obviously, we want them to stay in there until it's safe, but with this being my first pregnancy, we have no gauge of how this birth story is going to go down. But before we think about that, let's talk about our last month of the second trimester. To start this off, we're going to go over the basics with the baby. So they start the size of an eggplant, and they're going to end at 28 weeks the size of a squash. They're going to weigh about two and a quarter pounds and be approximately 15 inches long. At 25 weeks, the baby's nostrils are opening up to prepare for breathing. By 26 weeks, the baby starts to have some brainwave activity. And you may notice that your baby starts to respond to specific sounds or light. Their fingernails are just starting to grow, and at 28 weeks, the baby is going to start experiencing REM sleep, which means that they can actually have dreams. The baby should be starting to settle into their birthing position or head down at this point, but if they're not there yet, don't stress out because there's still plenty of time for them to turn. Over this past month, Rachel has had quite a few different symptoms as she gets ready for the third trimester, where... Most of the things that are caused by the baby are just because the baby is getting big. I have been having some restless legs at night or just my body is having a hard time kind of winding down at the end of the day. And around 26 weeks, that kind of caused me to be just totally hit with exhaustion. I just was not sleeping well. And I ended up having a couple of days where I just could not get out of bed. And so I ended up calling our OB and just seeing if I could come in and see what was going on. And she ended up doing some blood work that day. We ended up finding out that Rachel was low in iron. And it's something that we kind of expected to happen throughout this pregnancy. But early on in that like eight or 12 week appointment, when Rachel had her blood drawn, her iron levels were not low but she was taking a prenatal that was high in iron. And then when that caused a lot of nausea for her, she kind of backed away from that. So with all of these fatigue and everything, that is a symptom of low iron. And thankfully, the doctors were able to confirm that. And Rachel's on an iron supplement now that is able to fix most of these issues. I'm also just having some growing going on. So I've already gone up a couple bra sizes. My clothes are not fitting. And I'm also having swelling in my feet and just regular, they call it edema. It's just pregnancy swelling in your face, hands, and feet. Rachel actually had to go get medical grade compression socks. So in all of this where she was feeling very tired and was getting very lightheaded, She went to a cardiologist and they were able to take a bunch of measurements and give her medical grade compression socks, which has actually helped a lot. In the beginning of the pregnancy, I really did not gain any weight. And by the halfway point, I had only gained like 10 pounds. And now it just feels like my weight gain is so rapid. I ended up gaining eight pounds 
in a span of one month, which is just a lot. And now the point that I'm at, I have already reached the limit of the amount of weight that I'm supposed to gain during the entire pregnancy, and I still have 10 weeks to go. So my doctor doesn't seem too worried about it, but I am starting to get a little bit worried about it because this baby is big. We said at the beginning of the second trimester on the podcast that most of the weight that Rachel gains throughout the pregnancy should be in the second trimester, and that should make the third trimester a little bit better. So it's not surprising that Rachel has gained way more weight in the second trimester than the first. We're just really interested to see how much actually is gained by the end of it all and see how it kind of lined up throughout the pregnancy. So what has been going on with us this past month? It has been a really busy one. Around 25 weeks, we started going to a small group specifically about marriage, and it's been really good timing just to kind of have time to connect and make sure that we're on the same page, ask each other some questions that we might not have done before, and just really think about our marriage before we go into this kind of next phase of life. Rachel also went to a cardiologist to deal with some of those issues we already have talked about where she was feeling really tired and would get lightheaded a lot. And we were a little more concerned about it after coming back from the baby moon and noticed that it happened a couple more times. So the OB actually recommended Rachel go to a cardiologist just to get a quick look at her heart to see if everything was fine. And the cardiologist did some tests and said that everything sounded good. They also did an EKG and said that everything looked good as well. So I did mention that I was having some shortness of breath, and she ended up referring me to get an ultrasound of my heart, which we ultimately decided not to do because around that same time was when I found out that I was having the low iron issue, and since I've been taking the iron supplement, I've felt much better. So I think we're just going to pass on that for now. We also painted the crib. So we have a crib that we got from one of Rachel's family members, and we got it here, and it's in really good shape, but we decided just to paint it up because it's been used for two kids, so it just needed a little touch-up here and there. So we painted the entire thing, but one of the big things we talked about is what do you put as like a finishing coat on it? For me, I don't really like the feeling of unfinished wood, so I want to make sure there was something. But also something we tried to keep in mind is that Latex paint is not really meant to be consumed by an adult, let alone a baby. So we don't think that huge amounts of this paint are going to be consumed, but they do call the top railing of a crib a chew bar. So it's going to get chewed on, and I guess to some extent it's going to be consumed. We ultimately decided to put a layer of cutting board oil on it because it is safe to eat, I guess, <laughs> and that has seem to be fine. We're not too concerned about our baby eating tons and tons of this. We just wanted to make sure that if we can put a finish on that is at least okay if it is in your mouth, that it's fine. So we went ahead and did that, and the crib is looking pretty good. At 26 weeks, we took a little weekend getaway to see My Fair Lady, which is a musical, and then we ended up spending the night at a hotel. We had racked up a free night from Hotels.com, and then spent the next day on an island just doing some fun summertime activities. The island that we went to, it was really fun. The only downside is that we've been to this place before, and there are a lot of activities around drinking. 
that Rachel can't really participate in. So we kind of had to change what we do when we're there, but we had a really fun time. Rachel's favorite is just to rent a golf cart and drive it around, and we definitely achieved that. By 27 weeks, we had our first hospital tour webinar. So basically, we just called into this Zoom meeting, and there was kind of a PowerPoint going on as people talked us through, where do you check in? You know, how many visitors can you have, et cetera, because with the pandemic, things have changed a little bit. So it was kind of nice just to be able to ask our questions of, okay, what do you provide for us? What do you provide for the baby? What should we be bringing to the hospital? And it's really exciting to think about that day that we get to have our baby. Right now, all of the hospital tours that we can see are still virtual. And there's definitely some upsides to this, like we can do them from home. We don't have to interact with all of these other people. It's pretty chill, and it's super easy to take notes and ask questions. But there are also some downsides to doing this virtually. And to me, the biggest one is that when we get to the hospital, we don't really know where to go. And at the beginning of all this, I wouldn't have thought that that is really a big deal because every hospital I've ever been to, there's just a nurse walking you around all the time or someone at the desk is pointing you where to go. But what we've found is that hospitals have very weird hours, especially for these things that can happen at literally any time. We have no clue when Rachel's going to go into labor. So a huge amount of this tour is spent on where do you go? And that is very hard to understand when you're not in the hospital. But other than that, it's been okay. A thing that's kind of weird with these hospital tours is that they don't want you to take them until you get into your third trimester. We did this one a week before we got into the third trimester, but I kind of feel like you should be able to start touring the hospital as soon as your baby is viable because from that point on, I mean, you have a chance of having your baby at a hospital. So it's just kind of weird that you have this month from 24 to 28 weeks where your baby could be born and you haven't even had the chance to ask your hospital questions yet. I think it's really interesting that a lot of these discussions about the hospital, they ask you to wait until closer to the due date, but your baby has a better chance of living than dying if they were born past 24 weeks. And it just seems to me that waiting to have these conversations means that if you have your baby very early for whatever reason, you're going to have less information than you would if you were later in the game. And it's just going to make that whole situation even more stressful than it already needs to be. Because if you go into the hospital and have a baby at 24 weeks, likely you're going to deal with the NICU and you're going to deal with a whole lot of other complications. They're going to make it difficult. So we should have these discussions about the hospital and labor and things like that way earlier on. So that if you do have to go in early and have a preterm baby, that you're not worried about where do you go and what comes next and you can just focus on your kid. We definitely are plan ahead people though so I understand that not everyone may feel that way but for us I think it would be nice to be prepared as early as you possibly can. In week 28 we took a trip to Virginia and it's our last trip throughout this pregnancy. That Sunday while we were on vacation was Harrison's first Father's Day, and it also was my grandparents' 62nd anniversary, and they were there with us. So that morning, we had a nice family breakfast, got to celebrate the dads and celebrate my grandparents' 
and just kind of the family that they started. It was a really fun time. This trip we took with most of Rachel's family. There were probably about 10 people on this trip, but there also were two very little kids. And there were a lot of things that were really fun to watch with kids, but we also got a little bit of a taste of what it's like to travel with very, very small children. And it's way different than how we travel right now because you've got somebody else that needs to stop a lot more frequently, and it's just something that we're not used to. So I'm sure we'll figure it out as we get there, but that was definitely something a lot different for us on this trip. The day after we got back from that vacation was my glucose test. So I got up around 8 o'clock that morning. The appointment was scheduled for like 9, 9.15. And so you're supposed to drink the drink 45 minutes before your appointment. So I started drinking it at 8.55, and you're supposed to finish it in 3 to 5 minutes, but it took me 6 minutes. This glucose test can be done at home or in the doctor's office, so it really depends on your OB and what their procedure is. For us, we were fortunate enough that at the appointment before, they just gave us the bottle and took it home, and we just kept it in the fridge until Rachel needed to drink it. The best way that I would describe this drink is it tasted like Sprite, but it felt like alcohol going down, so it had a little burn to it, um, but the taste was not unbearable by any means. I had the lemon-lime. A lot of people say that this test is really gross, it just tastes really nasty, and it's very hard to do, and Rachel was very fortunate to not have that experience. The test is basically to pump a bunch of sugar into your body, and then when they draw your blood, they can see how your body is handling the sugar levels. So the only thing that's really important with the test is the amount of time that passes between you completing the drink and when they actually draw your blood, but also what you eat around the test. So it's not like you don't have to eat at all, but you want to avoid really sugary foods because you're putting more sugar in your system than this drink is already going to give. Right. And so lately, I usually eat like Pop-Tarts or a donut for breakfast, and that morning I decided to have some eggs. I had heard some horror stories that some people feel really sick, like nauseous or lightheaded after they have this drink because their body is just not used to that much sugar. But obviously my body must be used to that because I felt fine all day. <laughs> We've seen a lot about people trying to trick the glucose test where they eat something totally different in the hopes that there's no way that their test will come back that they have gestational diabetes. And while you can do this, you really, really shouldn't. This test is meant to help people that have gestational diabetes because they can identify it and then they can take further steps to make sure that your baby is okay. So even though if you test positive for gestational diabetes, it's going to put some restrictions on your diet and you're going to have some other changes, it's still the best thing for you and your baby, so don't try to trick it. Immediately after I finished the drink, we left. We stopped at CVS so Harrison could get some cold medicine that he got carded for. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because I just was getting some cold medicine. I didn't think anything of it. And then they're like, oh, can we see your ID? And it's just funny because there's so many things that you don't even think about that you need your ID for. And then we went to the doctor's office, and once we got there, they asked me what time I finished my drink because they have to take your blood a certain amount of time after that, 
And then they took me back to the room. The appointment started just like any other. So they took my weight. They checked my blood pressure. They checked the baby's heartbeat, which was around 150 beats per minute. And I was very embarrassed because I wore a dress to this appointment. I was so focused on the blood draw and like making sure I was in something comfortable for that experience that I didn't even think, oh, they're going to have to like do the Doppler to find the baby's heartbeat. So I didn't want to be that person that was just didn't have any pants on in the room, but I was that day. (laughs) It's funny because at the beginning, Rachel was like, why on earth would you wear a dress to some of these things? You know, like just saying that like, I'm sure people show up and like the weirdest stuff and just have to sit there in the office completely undressed just to get a heart rate done. And here Rachel was in this exact scenario that she was like, I can't believe that other people do this. And she was doing it herself. It's so funny that I feel this way because I know that these doctors are going to see me completely exposed when they're delivering the baby. So why is it a big deal if they see me in my underwear? But it just feels kind of weird. So they asked if I had any questions or concerns. And then she also said that she would be back later to give me the Rogam injection and a Tdap. So the Rogam injection is an injection that not everybody will get. So you get this injection if your blood type is negative. And Rachel has O negative blood type, which means that she needs to get this injection. So you usually get it at 28 weeks or sometime around then. And basically what this injection does is it essentially tells your body to not attack positive blood types. And it's important that Rachel has this because our baby could have a positive blood type. And the Rogam injection is not actually protecting anything in this pregnancy. It's protecting the next pregnancy. So after this baby is born, Rachel's body will get exposed to the positive blood type and her body could learn how to attack a different blood type. So if our second child also has a positive blood type, then her blood is basically going to attack the baby's blood. And we really don't want that. So to prevent that, the doctors give Rachel a shot at around 28 weeks. And then after the baby is born, they'll figure out the baby's blood type. And if they have a positive blood type, Rachel will get a second injection. If the baby has a negative blood type, Rachel will not need to get the injection a second time. If you have a negative blood type and have a miscarriage early on, they also will give you this Rogam shot at that time just because they don't know what blood types are circulating around in there. And so you usually get it at 28 weeks, but if you do have a miscarriage, they will give you that shot. The shot sounds like it's this crazy thing or that it's totally different, but it works the exact same as every other shot you've been given your entire life. It's just like any other vaccine. And Rachel did say that it kind of had like a little bit of a burning feeling. But other than that, it wasn't really bad. I don't even think it hurt like an hour or two later. Yeah. This was the first appointment that I had my fundal height measured. And so the doctor like took this paper tape measure and just put it across my stomach and was like, oh, you measure 29. And After the appointment, Harrison and I were like, was that 29 like centimeters? Is that 29 weeks? And it turns out that it's actually both. 
So the amount of centimeters that you are is how many weeks you're measuring. So I was measuring a week ahead. It's very weird that it works out like this, that the centimeters are about the same as the weeks, but I guess that is how they do it for every pregnancy, so it must just work out. But we were very surprised to find out that it was both. But the doctor just said, yep, you're at 29, everything looks good. Never really said 29 what. And if you are having multiples or if you started at a larger size, there are different measurements for you, but if you start in the normal BMI category, then your centimeters should line up with your weeks. After all of this, the appointment was pretty much done. We just had to sit around and wait for Rachel to get her blood drawn. I don't love getting my blood drawn, but I try not to make it a big deal when it has to happen. The first appointment, like the very first appointment that we ever had, I had probably six vials of blood drawn. This one, they did four. And for some reason, this was the first time that I noticed the sound of the blood filling the tube. It was disgusting and just made me feel so nauseous. It sounds like a squeegee running over a window. You know, just that... that it just was not very fun. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, we went back to our regular room and I had this really sweet nurse come in and kind of make me laugh while she was giving me my two shots. And then they sent us on our way. So the second shot is the Tdap shot, which does tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. Pertussis is whooping cough. And they recommend that anybody around a newborn have this. And a lot of NICUs, it will actually be required that you have this vaccine. You do have to get a booster of it every 10 years, so it's highly likely that you've already had this shot sometime in your life and you need it again. And they were able just to give it to Rachel, and they recommended that I get it somewhere else. And the OB is not able to give it to you because the OB is not my doctor, so they can't do that. Um, but we were able to get it at any pharmacy. We did not get our results for another two days. And so my blood work showed that I do not have gestational diabetes. And it also reiterated that I was still very low on iron. So my doctor just told me to continue with the iron supplement. And then as far as the diabetes thing, there was nothing else that needed to be done. We were a little surprised. We definitely thought that I was going to have gestational diabetes just because of some of the Weird symptoms I was having, like being thirsty and tired, and I'm a little bummed that we don't have a reason to have the baby early. But overall, I think it is a good thing because it is better, healthier for the baby. The main concern behind gestational diabetes, if you do have it, is that it will cause other complications in pregnancy. So if you have gestational diabetes, you're much more likely to have other complications like preeclampsia. So they just want to know, and it also is much more likely that you have a big baby, so you might need to be induced to make sure that there are even more problems in labor just because your baby is large. There's a couple of things you can do early on in your pregnancy to prevent it, like trying to eat healthy foods and stay active, but if you do end up with gestational diabetes, it's not something to go crazy worrying about. And they'll give you a lot of helpful things just to watch it and hopefully prevent some of these complications. But the biggest thing that's going to happen is most likely you're going to be put on a special diet. 
if Rachel tested positive at this appointment, she actually would have another one scheduled where they take your blood three separate times across three hours and they just make you keep drinking this drink. And that is the one that they'll definitively say, yes, you have gestational diabetes. So as of right now, this baby has no reason to come early, but I have been talking and pleading and begging with them to get ready. (laughs) It has been a busy month and the third trimester is flying by. Next time, we are going to talk about weeks 29 and 30 and how we decided which hospital to go to. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. (laughs) 